called Sacred Things. And uh, all of us have things in our lives where we hold very valuable, that we, we cherish, that we think, man, this is better. You know, I can't let go of that. And I've, I've used examples like when you're trying to clean out a closet or you're trying to clean something out, and you're like, I'm going to have this pile over here is going to be stuff I'm going to get rid of. And this pile over here, it, it can be clothes. It can be any number. And you got this pile like, hey, I'm going to keep this. And you start going through it and you're going, well, no, I better put that over here. And then you get something else out and you go, I'm going to stick it in the, no, I'm going to put that over here. And before you get finished, you're like, I got two things that I'm going to get rid of. And I'm just going to organize and stack it back in there. And so you're like, oh, I can't get, oh no, I can't get, I can't get rid of that. And so we know that that's, that those are things that, that we personally, and they are cherished things. You know, men, different clothes, you know, they may have holes all in them and stuff. And like, I, I can't get rid of that. That's, I use that for stuff. Um, women do the same, not necessarily clothes, but other things they gotta hang on to. Of course, there's some that have the gift of, uh, of throw it out kind of thing where they loose it. <laughs> And it's like, anybody have those in your life? It's like, oh, no, we don't hold on to anything. It can all go. And they just keep on, no clutter whatsoever. Yeah, I'm not that one. But still, there are those. (laughs) And so we celebrate. What we want to look at is not what we think is sacred, but what God says is sacred. Because those are the things that are eternal. It's not a temporal thing. It's an eternal thing. And so we want to make sure that we lock in to what's eternal, not something that's just temporary. And so we've looked at a number of things that we've looked at names like the name of God, which we sang this morning. There's no other name above Jesus. There's no other name where we get saved, where we get healed. He is that He is that name. That is his name. And we have it to receive from him. We also looked at the word of God. We looked at prayer. We looked at last week relationships. And hopefully you still got your comb and you're combing out the kinks and all that fun stuff. But this morning... We're going to look, uh, well, before we get there, I want to look real quick to remind everybody if this is, you know, maybe you hadn't been along the, the journey, but for those who it's your first, you know, you just jumped on the ride, here's what sacred is. We looked at it in scripture, it's holy. It means set apart, Kadesh, which is apartness, holiness, sacredness, separateness. It's like I'm set apart for a special purpose, and that can be of God, of places, of things. Many people have places where they've experienced God in a very special way, and it's sacred in your heart going, man, I, man, that's when I really connected, or God really spoke to me, or really did something, and you hold that near and dear, and you're supposed to. And so this morning, um, or, or in Colossians 2.8, that's what G, uh, Paul wrote to the Colossian church, church at Colossians. He said, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. And we looked at this and think about it. Paul wouldn't write it unless it's possible. And with everything that we have, we are more informed now than we've ever been before. I mean, like with this thing right here, I can talk to China right now, y'all. We used to have to send a letter and you didn't know if it got there. It was, I mean, it might be a while. Two months later, I get it back. We can stay connected. I can do FaceTime with loved ones all over the way. Hey, what you doing? And so we're more connected and we're more informed than ever. But that also means that we really have to be careful that we can really, the more information and going, I, my mind can really, if I'm not careful, I can get caught up in the traditions of men. I can get caught up in philosophies and that others have with, with their human understanding and wisdom. 
that they can say, hey, this is how you do it. And I want to challenge us. We got to know what Jesus says. We got to stay connected to him and stay connected to what he says. And this morning, the one thing he's talking, we're going to talk about this morning and we're celebrating here on our 46th anniversary is the body of Christ is sacred. The body of Christ is sacred. Now, I know some of you go, duh, of course the body of Christ is sacred. But when we think about the body of Christ, there's many meanings to that. Like when Jesus is at the Last Supper, which we'll be celebrating this morning, he took the bread and he said, this is my body given for you, broken. You know, I want to say this. Now, here in this church, we don't teach it as transubstantiation for y'all. It's a big word that it actually becomes the body. We're not into cannibalism. We're not going to say, hey, we're eating Jesus. No, what we're doing is we're, we're taking into ourselves the remembrance of what Jesus did for us, how he gave his life for me so I could have life. And so that's one. Then also there's another part of the body of Christ that says the, uh, this is a fun one, the hypostatic union. And some of y'all go, hypostatic what? It literally is where you take the divinity of God and you take the humanity of man and it's wrapped up in Jesus. Because if you'll think about it for a second, Jesus, who was nothing like us, in heaven, before he showed up, he was with God in the beginning. He was there. And he was nothing like us. And so we were made in his image and his likeness, but he became just like us. So he took on our form. He came to the earth and took on our form, and he's having it for eternity. That's how much he loves us. I'm going to take it on. That's why even when he was risen from, he had risen from the dead, Thomas came to him and said, I, I don't believe, he, I, I, I just can't believe he did that. I mean, he talked about it, but I ain't believing it. And so Jesus said, I tell you what, don't worry about it. Hey, Thomas, he showed back. Of course, he walked through the walls. We're not going to go there this morning, but he did. Um, and he said, here, put your, put your finger in my hole. In the finger, you know, put your put your fingers right there in, in the scars in my hands. And, and I tell you what, put your hand in my side. You don't think it's me? Here you go. So he, he became alive. And so when we celebrate and we talk about fully God, fully man coming together, that hypostatic union, that's part of that. And so he left out of here when he rose from that. And then he, he, he rose into heaven. He wasn't a spirit. He, he rose on out. They saw. There goes Jesus. That's him. I can tell. The beard and everything size. They, they recognize. So that's not what we're talking about. We, what I want us to look at this morning when we talk about the body of Christ in the New Testament, it actually has a, a number of things to say in Luke, uh, uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14. Um, Paul is writing to the church of Corinth and he's trying to get them to understand about this body thing, about how it operates. And he says, just as a body through one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. Not a bunch, one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. So that's all of us, one body, one spirit. And then in verse 14 it says, even so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And then... It goes on to say this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 27, and this is where we're, we're going to. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. We're talking about 
the church. And I want you to look around and see you're a part right here. You're a part of the body of Christ. Jesus made us one, the church, and we celebrate what he's doing. And I want to say this to you. There's a bigger, there's a bigger example of that. Many times we get locked into just what's here in this room. And can I tell you, we got a big body. It's all over the world. Our brothers and sisters, they're, they're right now, parts of our body are meeting in different places all over this community this morning, worshiping and celebrating Jesus. And you know what? I worship and celebrate each one of them that have got Jesus. They claim Jesus is Lord and Savior. I celebrate each one of them. We're all together, whether we hold a title of Baptist on the outside or Methodist or Presbyterian or Episcopalian, whatever, as long as Christ is Lord, we celebrate. They're all, we're part of the capital C, the body. And so we celebrate. That's what we're talking about. We're all part of that. And so uh, this is what I, wanted, I want you to get. And I want you to say this with me this morning. Church is not a place. It's a people. <laughs> place. It's a people. God's people. It's not a, it's a people. Now listen, I know, I know. How many of you here have ever bought and sold a house? You, you lived in a house. You might have sent, you know, lived in there many years. Like right now, um, I still dread the day that I'm gonna, that I'm gonna show up at Jacksonville, Florida, and I'm not gonna be able to just walk into the front door and go rummaging through the refrigerator and see it full and all stuff. That's my mama's address. And she has been there for 55 years. So that's my house. <laughs> but really, it's a place because she's eventually, she'll sell it. How many, you, you, you live somewhere and you, you live there and you, you, you have wonderful memories, but you moved out and it's like, well, that's not my house anymore. You're the family. Your family inhabited that place for a little while. And then you moved to another place. Like in here, you're a people. We're a people. We're the body of Christ. So, for instance, no matter what room people are meeting in, they're still connected to the body. So church is not a place, it's a people. And I want you to get that because you're who God died for. He's the one that put that in us. And so understanding that, I want you to grasp three simple things, and that is this. Christ, this is what he did, Christ connects us to himself. Like some people, they come to church, but they have what I like to call an out-of-body experience. The reason I say that is they're, they're in a building, but they're like, I don't feel like I'm a part. I don't feel like I'm a part. I, I don't know what these people are doing. My first time ever showing up in this church, I didn't feel like I was a part. <laughs> I showed up. I was sitting right over here. Of course, now I had a lot to do with that. And I share this and I share it often. I'm not afraid. I'm not ashamed of it. My first time ever showing in, up in this church, I had already, my life was on a, a path that was not anything that glorified God or looked like God. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was invited here by my sister, and uh, and I came because of two reasons, and God wasn't either one of them. My sister said, hey, you ought to come to church with me. I was raised Catholic, went to Catholic church, went to Catholic school. Nothing wrong with that. I still celebrate them. I, don't, I, I love them. Um, we've got a lot of things they've done that we get to celebrate today. And so she said, hey, you ought to go to church with me. And this is what she said. She said, we got pretty girls. There's pretty girls. And there's good music. And I said, I like pretty girls. And I like good music. I'll go to church with you. Y'all sit there and laugh. Some of y'all did the same thing. Don't even say nothing. Don't even say nothing. Some of y'all went chasing, showing up at church going, mm -hmm, where's he at? Where they at? 
Y'all still looking. Some of y'all looking around. Hey, what y'all doing? And so uh, I went there simply because of that. And um, what happened is I showed up here, and I, I got to tell the truth. I have to right here. I don't have to. I get to. And so I smoked a joint on the way to this church, y'all. First time I ever showed up, I was sitting over there. I was like, "Woo, what y'all doing? <laughs> and y'all was sitting there worshiping. People's hands was going up, and they like this. And I'm sitting there from my nice Catholic background. I'm like, what are they looking at? What, what, what do they see? They just hands up like, Woo! I was like, of course, y'all look at our, we're renovating right now. Y'all see the, the roof and everything? Praise God. Back then, there was this open and sun beaming through. And I'm like, uh, they got something up there? Is there something in there? And so it made me curious, but I was having, a, I never felt connected. You know what? I came back two years later. My life was a wreck. I'd gotten rested on Friday night. God, man, God is good. I got out the next Saturday while still on probation. And I came to this church that Sunday morning, February the 9th, 1986. And I said, Lord, my life was a wreck. I said, if you can do anything with this life, I done messed it up real good. You, if you can do anything here, it's yours. And from that day on till this day, I've never felt, whether it's in a Catholic church whether it's in a Baptist church, whether it's in a, a, a Methodist church, I've never felt having an out-of-body experience. I feel connected in everyone. I can go worshiping anyone. What y'all doing? You know, we want to, we want to, you know, kneel. Okay, I can sit here. What y'all doing? I can, I can do it all. There's not a problem. And so when we look at this, this is what Jesus came to do. Christ came to connect us to himself. That's what it says. Help you out if you're not sure of this. In uh, Corinth and Colossians chapter 2 verse 13. It says this, when you were spiritually dead because of your sins and because you were not free from the power of your sinful self. Everybody say sinful self. <laughs> That's right. Paul was breaking out some of that southernness like your sinful self, your sinful thing. Um, y'all know y'all. <laughs> your sinful self, God made you alive with Christ. And he forgave how many of your sins? Oh, oh well. It's really all of our sin. So let me say this. One thing you can rejoice when we, Christ, when he connects us with him, it's not to try to put us in drudgery and say, okay, now try to walk it out. Here you go. Take your burden, everything, and lift. And, and it's like, you know, anybody ever been with people that have been in the church in a while and they feel like, oh, Jesus, I'm just following the Lord. And I'm like, why don't you go ahead and follow him on to heaven? He's, he's waiting for you. You'd probably do him and a bunch of other people a great favor. Just, okay. And it's like, no, all of our sins have been forgiven. There's not one of them. Listen, he wants us to connect him to himself. Now, here's the problem. Most people try to connect to God on the basis of what they've done. Never happened. Because you will never be, you're like, man, whoa, I did that, I did, whoa, and that time, mm, and you'll just keep going, and you're trying to get to God, and you're like, I can't get close to him because I am a mess, and he goes, that's why he came, was to get close to you, because you couldn't get close to him, I couldn't get close to him, so that's why he came, that's what it says, one of my favorite scripture, one of my favorite passages in scripture is Romans 5, 8, it says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us, not my love for him, his love for me. In that while we were still doing our junk, 
while we were still mixed up, messed up, running, doing, running our game, doing our thing, he said that. He didn't wait for us to get it together. Christ died for us. And so the first thing Christ did, he came to connect us to himself. And if you're here this morning, you don't feel connected, this would be a great day to get connected. And I want you to get this b- before anything else. Because people show up to church trying to be good. And you, you discover what every other believer does. Man, that's a struggle because I got this sinful self that wants to do what it wants to do. That's why I've, connect, I've got to connect with him. I got no other choice. You've got no other choice. And I challenge you this morning, if you hadn't done that, this would be a great day to say, Jesus, I give it to you. I can't do this. And he goes, good, I've been waiting for that. And so the second thing he's come to do is to connect us to his plan. Now, how many of you know all of us have plans? There are some people in here that are great planners. And then planners, not planters, but, and then there are other people. Anybody like me, you got that free spirit. You like, what? Where are we going today? Okay, yeah, this is where we go. I believe what, one of my favorite scriptures also is John 3, 8. The wind blows. You don't know where it's going, where it came from or where it's going. So is everyone born of the spirit of God. Where are we going today, Jesus? What are we doing? But there are some that are great planners. And I want to say this. God's that way. God's both. He actually planned everything out. There's no accidents. There's no oops. There's no. He doesn't go, how does that happen? I don't even know. He doesn't make mistakes. He's perfectly capable of everything. And so he wants us to connect to that to his plan, not ours. And his plan is simple. It's found in Jeremiah 29, 11. Very familiar passage of scripture. For I know the plans I have for you. Declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. I thought he wanted to make my life miserable. And not to harm you. I thought God wants to beat me up. I thought he's just this mean God. He's up in heaven with a lightning bolt with my name on it. Waiting for him to mess up one more time. That's why a lot of people don't like to walk out in storms and thunderstorms. Like, <laughs> I knew, granted, I, if you wanted to go out there with lightning striking, we, we, we would pray for you and worry about you. But part of it is... God's trying to get me and he's going to, he's got my name on it. He's going to get me. That's never the case. He doesn't want to harm you. And he says, plans to give you a hope and a future. That's his desire. Always. It hasn't changed and it won't change. He wants you. He loves you. He wants you to connect. He wants to connect you to his plan, not your own. I promise you, his plan is always better. There are people that can dream some, how many people have a favorite music artist that can write music? I mean, they just, music and and i mean they can play it how many how many are into painters like you can look at painters and you you can look at paintings and go i'm not one of those but still how many sculptors you can look at any poems writing any you you you've got your favorite authors your favorite painters your favorite music and you go man that just man when that when that comes on that's my jam i love let me say this to you that god on your best day on any of their best day it's still just a fraction of what he can do. He is the author of creation. He created it all and he can do everything. And so I want to tell you his plan. If you were to come up with one, this is what I always feel like in mine. I come up with these plans and I feel like a kindergartner with crayons going, hey, this is what I look like. You know, used to when you would, your kids would draw their their picture of their family and they would put it on the refrigerator and crayon. It's like, okay. And you see these figures and round and stuff and Who's that? Well, that's you, Daddy. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, I feel like that with God. Sometimes. I come to God with my plan to write it, and he's like, 
what's that, Mark? <laughs> It's so much better, so much bigger, so much greater. And so I want I want you to get this. I want you to connect to his plan because it's so much better. And it is for freedom. It is for joy. It is for it is to get you, give you a hope in a future. And then the third thing is this. Uh, God wants Christ connects us to each other. And this is where this is where we really have to sit for just a moment. I want you to get this in because Sitting in this room right now, there are people that come to church and leave lonely every Sunday. And it's not their fault. It's not their fault. It's ours, the church. We have to be much better at saying, hey, how you doing, man? Come just as you are, the same way Jesus did. We've got to do a better job at saying, you're welcome just like you are jesus came to connect us with each other it's not simply about hey look at me look at it's always we over me always we over me and if we'll get this i promise you when god connects us to each other man when i'm going through something when you're going through something man you start calling me hey hey, can you help can you help can we need each other it's always we're always better together that's why small groups Man, this church was founded. I, I know. It was founded on home groups. How many was in a home group years ago? Y'all were part of a home group and you're still here today. And I believe it's simply because, hey, you, you develop friendships that have lasted a lifetime. That's what small groups do. They connect us. We get past listening to one person. It's good to disseminate information, but it's better when you can get lock on. Hey, how you doing? Hey, what's this? How you, what, what's up with you? How's that going? So I challenge you, if you haven't, Look at that. This is what um, what it says in Romans 12, 4 and 5. It says this, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and what? And each member belongs to all the others. What many times we like to do is we like to shut ourselves off. And there's two reasons, I believe. One is, Many times we feel inferior and we don't want anybody to see our stuff. You're like, no, no, no. If you get too close to me, like, like I'll wave and I'll smile at you in church. But if you really knew me, oh, no, 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 no. I can't let you get too close. You, you'll know my stuff. Let me say this. God's trying to create a, to- a culture where stuff doesn't matter and he does. He's trying to create a culture that says, hey, you got stuff good. So do I. You got issues. I got issues. Praise God. Let's work on those together. Let's walk this out together. Instead of me sitting here trying to be the Lone Ranger with a little Indian that's running around behind me, Tonto, going, what? Who's he? Where's he? I always try to show up. Let me say this. God, we need to surround ourselves with people that will love us where we are and walk us in the freedom. That's, that's a beautiful thing. So it says this in Ephesians 2.22. It says, in Christ, you are built together spiritually in a dwelling place for God. When we come together, this is the place. This is what church has been. This is the second thing I was going to share with you. Many times we come to church and we think we're here to display our goodness. That's why we get all dressed up. We go, hey, nothing wrong. Hi, how you doing? We're all good. Everything's good here. You know, you may have had a knockdown drag out on the way to church. You know what I'm saying? Like, especially with kids, you know, parents with small children, and it's getting, trying to get them all together. Hey, come on, get, no, get, stop. Especially if you got more than one so they can fight with each other. 
You know, in my household, when we drive, we drove a station wagon with seven kids. Come on now. We didn't have to have car seats back then. Jesus, somehow we survived. But somehow I always got the back because we had the station wagon where the seat folded up in the back. Y'all know those? Anybody remember them? I always got the one back there. So my ride to church was much different than everybody else's ride to church. Because I'm looking at people come up, up behind me like, hmm, and they're staring you at eyeballs. <laughs> you're, you're looking at strangers all the time. That's a good way to help people get over their insecurity of people because you've got to look at them. Oh, oh, yeah, oh. <laughs> or we'd do worse things. We'd make faces at them. You'd be like, ha, 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 ha. Um, they'd ride by looking at us, and Dad's like, what y'all do? <laughs> they're making faces back at us. Um, but anyhow... What happens is, is many times we think we're supposed to show how good we are. And I'm going to tell you something. What church is, it's a dwelling place for God to show how good he is. It's a dwelling place for God to show how good he is, not how good I am. And so understanding that, this is what we've got to do. Three things real quick and we're done real quickly right here. The first thing Christ does, he empowers us to be his witnesses. It's like what I was saying a moment ago. I'm not supposed to keep this to myself. I mean, I've been free from all my sin. I've been redeemed from everything I've ever done, everything I will. He has set me free. I'm not supposed to keep that to myself. That's what Acts 1, um, 7 and 8 says. He said to them, talking about the disciples, it's not for you to know times and dates that the Father has set in his own authority because we're always worried about everything. Of, hey, when's this going to happen? When's this going to happen? I'm going to tell you, Jesus said, hey, don't worry about that. that, that, that that's going to happen in its time. God's got that covered. Go ahead and rest at ease. But he goes on to say, but you will receive power, which we've already received that power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be what? My witnesses. You're going to witness to the grace, the love, the truth of God. That's what he's come to do. He's come to empower us to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, which I would like to say in Brunswick, Georgia. Right here, the people I come in contact with. Everybody I come in contact with, I'm going to demonstrate and I'm going to go ahead and show you this. You want to know what Jesus looks like? He's just missing the beard. <laughs> he may have been a little taller. I don't know. He's Middle Eastern. He might not have been much taller, y'all. I'm, anybody ever been over there? <laughs> I'm telling you, this is what he empowers us to be his witnesses. And in all Judea, in the Samaria, in the utter ends of the earth. That's to the United States and surrounding in the utter parts of the earth. The second thing Christ has come to do. Christ, he first, he empowers us to be his witness. Then Christ entreats us to love God and love others. These are two bedrocks that this church will never leave. You'll hear it over and over and over in many times. Because if we leave that place, we're missing the two greatest commandments. Like, like if you're struggling right now in any particular habit, anything going on in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your finances, in your personal life, if you're struggling, I challenge you this. If you'll just, if you'll just say, Lord, I don't know you that well, but I want to know everything about you. I want to love you the way you love me. And you begin to seek that, I promise you what will happen. Those things will begin to fall by the wayside. It's not me trying to, you know, hey, ten ways to stop doing this or stop. If you'll fall in love with Jesus... And you say, Lord, how do I, do? you say, Mark, how do I do that? Lord, I give my life to you. I surrender it. And what he said is this, in, uh, in Mark 12, it's also mentioned in Luke. It said the most important one, Jesus answered, there was a guy asking, what's the most important? Jesus said, the most important is, hero is Israel, the Lord our God is one. 
Love, you, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. The two greatest. So I love God, and how do I love God? I love God by spending time with him the same way you love. Remember when y'all, those who are married, and you started courting, and now it's through text, a lot of all pictures, what's up, you know, doing the perfect, the girls, you know, hold it, don't send that to him. It, he is not going to like that picture. You got to get just right. You know, you got to get it all just right. You, you got to do that. Back then, you just call on the phone, you know, some of y'all don't even get that. Some of was like, what was he doing? I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> don't know nothing about no dial. <laughs> y'all, true story in my house. <laughs> there were seven kids. And my dad had a business on the side. He was a carpenter. Worked for Milton. They would, but he had a business where we'd, he'd take extra things. So he'd tell us, you get five minutes on a phone call. Five minutes. I didn't use, ever use it because we had, I had enough friends in my neighborhood. We'd run the streets like, who needs to call anybody? Hey, I'm going to go over to his house. What you doing? You know, that's how, that was my call. But I had sisters, no, no cracking on the girls, that liked to com- converse. And my sister one time was on a phone call, and he told her, five minutes, and she, five minutes, five minutes. She, okay, okay. And we had one of these, long, anybody remember the long cords? You, could, you didn't have cell phones, but you could get away from people. Okay, now what's a so she had she walked in the other room, closed the door, and she's talking to her friend like, "Hey, what's up?" And he and he comes in, and gives her a second one. I said, five minutes, five minutes." Comes back a little later. He didn't say it a third time. All of a sudden, you hear this like it was a you know one of those boxing. He hit the phone and went flying off the wall. Michelle comes up, what, 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 what? It's like I said, five minutes. Those were trying to connect. So anyhow, check this out. When you were, remember when you were trying to connect and you were, you would spend all that time and you couldn't, you couldn't, you say bye. No, you say bye. No, no, you say bye. You say bye. That's how it is with God. You hang, no, I can't take, oh God, I love you. I can't, I just love you. I, I don't want to stop. I just want to spend more time. When you get to know him like that, I promise you, there's not enough time in the day where you can just sit there and allow him to love you because he wants to love on you. You get up in the morning like, hey, God, how you doing? You just start reading his word. He starts pouring his love, pouring his truth, giving you wisdom, giving you insight, the things you never thought possible. That's what you'll do if you'll love him. And then out of that love is going to come your love for your neighbor. It's not me. Hey, let's be honest. Some people, I mean, there's some people you like to love close up and then some people you like to love far away. Family reunions, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> they show up, you're like, oh, okay, I got them for five minutes. I got them for, you know, an hour and a half. Good, we'll see you later. God bless you. See you next year. Um, <laughs> love your neighbor as yourself. And then John 13 says it this way, 34 and 35. A new commandment I give you, love one another as I've loved you, so you must love one another by this. By what? By this love I have for other people. They're going to know you're my disciples. You connected to me. By your love, you show to one another. And then finally this one. So Christ empowers us. Christ entreats us. And then Christ equips us to make a difference in the world. I want to say this to every person in here. It doesn't matter where you are in your spiritual walk, and your spiritual journey. God wants to connect with you in such a way. And he has, he wants to use you right where you are. I don't matter. It doesn't matter if you're six years old or you're 60 years old. 
God wants to use you to make a difference in this world. That's why he's called you. But we have to just simply get out of just our own self and say, God, I want you. That's what Galatians 2.20 says it this way. Another one of my, 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 my faithful, I love them, love these scriptures. God's word all the way through. I have been crucified with Christ. Paul said, told the church in Galatia, I've been crucified with Christ. Like 2,000 years ago, I died. When Christ died, I died. Like, just so you know what that means is, I will, you'll, I'll never die. I'll never die, y'all. <laughs> Some of y'all go, Mark, you're crazy, man. No, I, I already died. I died February the 9th, 1986. I gave my life to Jesus, and I died. I said, Lord, it's yours. And so I was buried with him in baptism, and I'm walking in this new life. So, yeah, this little, this frame here is going to, you know, exhaust at some point. I don't know when, don't know how. Don't worry about it. But I won't die. I'll keep on going, be with Jesus. This, this, this car, this tent will run out of gas, but I'm going to keep moving. It says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who, who loved me and gave himself for me. And then finally this. 2 Peter 1.3, he says it like this. Peter says, Jesus has the power of God by which he's given us everything. What has he given us everything to? We need to live and to serve God. Everything we need to live and serve God. I got it. Some of you are like, I need this, I need that. No, you just need to fall in love. Jesus, you've already given me that. I just need, Lord, I want to receive what you've already given me. And it says, we have these things because we know him. Jesus called us by his glory and his goodness, not by your glory or my glory or my goodness. Could we do this real quick? Could you close your eyes for me and bow your heads for just a moment? And the only reason I do that, it's the only way I know you can get alone in a crowded room. It's not anything spiritual. It's not anything I know we do. There are times we bow our heads to the Lord. But this particular instance, I want you to think just a minute. Do you feel like you're a part of the body? Or outside the body? Do you feel like I, don't, I can't get close enough? I don't feel connected. I don't feel like I, I, I feel like I don't fit in. And I just want to say this to you. Jesus came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. He died for all the things you and I did wrong so that we could live for him. He took my sins. He took my shame. He took my guilt so that I can now freely Worship him. I could freely come to him, not out of fear, but out of faith. I have confidence going to him. And this morning, maybe you'd say, Mark, I don't have that confidence, but I sure would like it. Maybe you haven't thought about where you are with the Lord, that you've, you've made that decision. You have said, Lord, I, I give you my life. I don't want to live my life. I want you to have my life, and I want to live the life you have for me. This would be a great day to do that. And I'd love to lead you. I'd love to pray with you. If, if you just simply do me a favor, if that's you and you say, I need Jesus, I need, I need that connection. I need to, to have what you're talking about. I want to be a part. I don't want to be separated. I'm going to ask you to do me a simple thing such as lift your hand right now wherever you are. Say, that's me. I need to be connected. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. This is between you and God. This is between me, you and anybody else. Well, everybody, let's say this together. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and that you left heaven to come to earth to rescue me. I've said things, I've done things that have, been, that have been displeasing to you. And Jesus, I recognize 
that you died for those things. You died for my sin. And I choose as an act of my will to accept your forgiveness. And I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I surrender my life to you. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Listen to me. That's the beginning. Let me say this. You will go public. Next Sunday, we will have baptism. If you haven't done that yet, or when you did, you just kind of took, got a little wet and wasn't sure what you did. This would be, a, I'd love to talk to you this week and say, let me, let me explain to you what really took place. I'd love to do that. We have a number that are already going to be doing that. So I'd love to talk to you. You can fill that out. If you, if you made that decision, we'd love to, to walk you with you on that journey. You can just make a little check there. I promise you, I'll celebrate it with you. We'd love to take you on that journey. It's a beautiful journey. It's an exciting journey. One to walking with the Lord. Nothing more exciting, I promise you. We'd love to do that. Lord, I thank you right now that your life would transform every heart here. That, Lord, you would strengthen. You would deliver. Lord, you would encourage. You would equip and empower each one of us to make a difference here on this earth. Only because you've made a difference in each one of us. Lord, we celebrate you here this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. At this time, I'm going to ask Senator William Ligon if he'd come up. Thank you for allowing me to, to have the honor of speaking a blessing. And you know, Just of late, I, I've uh, kind of been watching my declarations, the things that I say, and, and, and I'm trying to declare the word of the Lord because Hebrews tells me that we, by faith we know that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And I want my world to be framed by God's word and not, not my word, not the things that I say. And really, this church was framed by the blessing, by the principle, principles of blessing that my father taught when he was pastor here. And so I wanted to speak a blessing that's inspired um, by the words of Jesus in Revelations 2-3, where he spoke to the church. If you would, open your hands to the Lord and receive from Him this morning. <clears throat> May the works of this church always be acceptable and pleasing to the Lord, being pursued with perseverance and patience for His name's sake. May your love, service, and faith increase beyond that of any past time or season in the history of this church. May you always proclaim the gospel of Christ without fear, with all boldness and courage being found faithful to the end. May you continually discern between good and evil, holding fast to the name of the Lord while refusing that which is unclean and unholy. May you be preserved in the time of trial, keeping his word and not denying his name so that you may be a pillar in the temple of the Lord and his name written upon you. May your love for the Lord be fresh and first in all of your motives, being consumed with a burning passion for him. Thank you, Lord. May you always hear the voice of the Lord, opening the door when he knocks, that he may come in to fellowship with you and you with him. And may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift the light of his countenance on you and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.